Hey everybody, it's the week two edition of The Waggle, alongside three-time Grey Cup champion Davis Sanchez, who you can find on Twitter, at Davis Sanchez. My name is James Sabalski, and you can also find me on Twitter, at James Sabalski. Okay, coming up, we look ahead to week two of the Canadian Football League, and Ryder fans, yes, Ryder Nation is ready to ride into 2016. We'll get into that momentarily and Davis uh, a lot to kind of kick around with the riders but first it's Canada Day weekend and I don't want to sit here and rip on the league right out of the gate here but I just uh, can I nitpick for a second pick away pick away okay my only issue is that it's Canada Day weekend Canada turns 149 this year this coming weekend should be an epic bash everybody getting away for the long weekend But let me say this, there is no better place in this country to party and celebrate Canada Day than our nation's capital in Ottawa. You get basically a quarter of a million people that gather up on Parliament Hill and just celebrate and it's a big love-in and everybody's proud of Canada and celebrates Canadiana and celebrates maple syrup and poutine <laughs> and Lauren Green. All things and, Canada. Exactly. All, you know, the guess who. And and we celebrate Justin all Justin Bieber. Shout out to Maestro Fresh Wes. Everybody. Um, and yet, there is no game in Ottawa for the Red Blacks. It should be. You know what? And let me throw this out there. Because it can be easily remedied next year. But Davis, I think back to Vancouver during the 2010 Olympics and the euphoria that this country saw coast to coast during the Olympic Games watching the television coverage. And it was just a big party. And the best way so many of us could describe it for those that weren't in Vancouver at the time, it was basically imagine being in Ottawa on Canada Day every day for two weeks. And that's what Ottawa is on Canada Day. It's a massive celebration. You watch the fireworks later as well. I just, to me, there should be a Canada Day classic in Ottawa for the Red Blacks on Canada Day every year, an afternoon or an evening game to time it out. Uh, To me, it just feels like a no-brainer, especially what we've seen from the fan support. Uh, The community is totally back on board with Ottawa football again and to me it just it feels like a no-brainer let's give the schedule makers the benefit of the doubt yes there, there are some complications with, yeah. with stadiums and prior commitments uh there might be there's probably a good reason for that but uh great point you make they should definitely it's definitely a place you want to have a game on Canada Day in the, the nation's capital so create we'll it sure like a Labor Day it. classic there you know you, go. you've got the Done. Labor Day classic that works in so Done. many markets for for years and years and years and years this to me feels like an opportunity to create another one of those types of events in the nation's capital. It's only year three with the franchise back in Ottawa. To me, going forward, CFL schedule makers, Canada Day Classic, okay, Ottawa. Okay, Seaball, you said it. you're not going to nitpick. You're okay. picking, okay. picking, All right. picking, I'm just picking. Making my point. Making my point. Let's see. Uh, it's the broadcaster in me. Uh, let's get into some takeaways. Week one uh, in the books and. Um, uh, well, we kind of took our lumps, but uh, Davis, why don't you start with your first takeaway? Well, hoo-wee, uh, I know this much. This, this, this coming what do into you this know? league, I will tell you what I do know. We know this league. I know this league. The, the listeners, the people listening to the waggle, they know this league. And coming into last week, 
We sh- ask me anything. I'm the guru. I'm the CFL guru. Mm. Hey, you played. T- you played in the oh, league. Oh, well, I'm, I'm a fan. Toronto, if, if Scott Milanovic has the ball in the 40-yard line going in, he's going to call a corner. He's going to throw a corner out with Ricky Ray. I know that. If, if Stubler, You've been burned by that before. I've been burned by it many a time. <laughs> if, uh, if, Richie Stubler, if Richie Stubler has somebody second and 10, he's going to call match defense and make you throw a check down. I know that. I'm the guru. I know that. And going into this week or last week, we looked at all the matchups, and guess what? Guess what I knew? Guess what I knew going into last week? Do tell. I knew not a darn thing. <laughs> I know what I don't know, and I did not know what's going to happen in week one of the CFL season. I was 0-4 with my picks. Everything I thought was going to happen did not happen. Edmonton's defense is, defense is way better than I thought it was going to be. They're good. They dominated the preseason. <clears throat> that didn't happen. Toronto, oh, Ricky Ray is back. He's slanging the ball around. He's got the three receivers that are all going to be 1,000-yard receivers. I mean, everything that we thought was going to happen did not happen week one. So what I learned is what I don't know, and that's what the heck's going to happen in this season. You know nothing, Jon Snow. That's basically the theme for our uh, our expectations and predictions from week one. I went one and three uh, on my CFL pick So... Uh, it can go at least the positive. It can go nowhere but up. But I think based on week one, Humbled. your point, uh, trust no one right now because exactly that. I mean, the Alouettes were supposed to be last in the CFL's power rankings, and you know they go pick up a, a scrappy road win into Winnipeg. Uh, you know the look, the Eskimos given up 45 points. The defending Grey Cup champions who had won 10 straight games going into last weekend's game against the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, to concede in overtime. Yards, 590 yards put up on at home at Commonwealth. At home. Ay-ya. At home. How do you give that up? I mean, that's, that's ugly. So the defending Great Cup champs are reeling. Uh, a lot of teams kind of licking their wounds and a lot of teams feeling good. What's your, what's your second takeaway? Uh, from this week, the biggest the biggest surprise to me ha- had to be the the Eskimos the Eskimos Ottawa game. I just mm-hmm. I just couldn't see that one didn't see that one coming. Um, and, and it, there's only two takeaways. I'm adding three. Okay. Hamilton. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats looked. I, I I said like I said before. I know what I don't know. And I right away. What did we say? Ball control. Jeremiah Masoli. Well, would you just manage seven manage new the, starters oh, on the defensive yes. end? He'll manage the game. He'll, uh, you know, Kent Austin will keep him in. They'll run the read option because Masoli's a, a running quarterback, and they'll just manage the game and try to stay close. Opposite, he dropped back and slung that thing around the park. Yeah, I mean, he looked like Zach Kolaris. He looked, I mean, he looked awesome. Um, they slung it around. Kudos to kudos to that to to. To Kent Austin for coming up with a great game plan, and kudos to Masoli for for stepping in big time. That was what a performance by that team without Caleras, without Ted Laurent, who will be back this week. They looked that good without arguably you know one of their top two defensive players in Ted, mm-hmm. and without their starting quarterback, who was probably the MVP of this league if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, and they looked that good. Ouch. Yeah, no, they were they were they were certainly in my mind the the cream of the crop in, in week one from what we saw the performance wise by the Hamilton Tie Cats. Uh, two quick shout outs here I want to give. Um, first off, Chris Milo, fifty five yard boom 
at the buzzer to force overtime in Edmonton on the road to do that for the Red Blacks and then they ultimately have them come away with the win but man that takes a big set of wontons to be able to hit <laughs> that, that shot big, big uh, to kick. hit that kick and I mean hey look Chris Milo I mean he, I mean still a young guy in this league but man he has been he's been huffing for years and years I mean you remember him as a ball boy yeah you know what Chris was uh, yeah it was great to see that Chris was uh, kids from Montreal played Laval. He's a he's what you call a gym rat. He used to come around Alouette's training camp when I was there for years, and uh, when he was still in college, and uh, maybe he was, he was in high school, and he would be a ball boy, hanging around with our our kicker who was who was Damon Duvall at the time, and yeah. just trying to pick up knowledge. And he was you know he you know hang around the cafeteria, and then, and next thing I know, I, I see him at Laval, and then I, as I get older, I see him in the league, and it's it's nice to see a kid that we kind of saw grow up. Yeah. Uh, uh, doing do, hitting a big kick like that, and he's made a made a nice career for himself. And it was a, that was a big time kick in in a huge situation. So good for Chris Milo. And I look at I look at I remember just seeing Jason Moss's reaction on the sidelines. And just kind of had that wow, wow. Like how did he? What do you do? Like how do you defend that? I mean, it's you got at some point in time you give your opponent props, and and I think in a case like that, a guy hitting fifty five yard field goal on the road. I mean, at some point you say, you say, okay, you know what? Credit, credit were due. Did, did you see stick, sticking with this game? We saw the, uh, we saw what happened, and we, we saw we saw Trevor Harris come in and and first play go 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 bombs over Baghdad and, and touchdown, and then mm. and then right away we say, oh, quarterback controversy, and, and we and his numbers are, we have his numbers here, so ridiculous. Two hundred ninety-two yards, seventeen and nineteen. Seven, I mean, seventeen and nineteen. Nineteen, like that's unreal. Three touchdowns, no picks. And and that being said, well, three touchdowns, no picks. That being said, the the most the interesting thing to me, uh, once we heard. What we heard is the press conference when Jason Moss when Jason Moss was asked about mm-hmm. about Trevor Harris and 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 what he did when he came in against his defense, and Jason laughed. He said, "What about what about Trevor Harris?" And Jason laughed and he said, "You know, Trevor didn't do anything that Henry wasn't already doing." He mm-hmm. said Henry was doing the same stuff to our defense all game long, and Trevor just came in and continued doing it. Which which was which was funny that Jason actually had a smirk on his face laughing, and it's true. It's tre- not to take anything away from what Trevor did, but Henry was doing the exact same thing before. He was picking that defense apart. Trevor came in and, and did exactly what they brought him over and paid him to do, and that's oh not have any sort of fall off and continue and continue with that keep that offense rolling. Well, and that offense, I mean, you could make a case that it maybe even got better with Harris under center in, in that sort of. We'll we'll get into that when we start looking ahead to the week two matchups. The other shout out I want to give out to is the city of Toronto. And, and, I, and I know we, we touched on it last week with the BMO effect, but boy, oh boy, you feel like, you know, it. the West has been the backbone of the Canadian Football League for so many years. But to see that the fans came out in a more intimate setting at BMO Field, you just feel like this, not only does it help the Argos franchise, but I feel like it could be beneficial to the entire league when you've got a stadium that looks like an electric atmosphere in the hub of corporate Canada. So shout out to the Argos fans and the city of Toronto for embracing what looked to be a really solid night in the Argos. Uh, they put on a good show. In their debut at BMO, they came up on the short end of the stick, but at the same time, it looked like people were having fun. And it was, and, and you know what? It was a lot of young people. You know, the camera kept cutting to, it was just, you kept seeing what looked to be a vibrant, young, energetic crowd compared to, 
you know, let's face it, I think generationally, I think the CFL can kind of skew at times to a more mature audience. And, and in this case, it looked like, you know, the, the, the sought-after youthful fan, the millennials, if you will, uh, seem to be prominent on, the, in, in the stands. The, the neighbors, uh, the neighbors uh, kicked in the, the neighbors kicked in the door of, of the housewarming party. The box the box J boys <laughs> the box J boys came over and took took over the housewarming. But it was a it was a nice party they threw, but it ended up being uh, taken over by the box J boys and uh, and the Hamilton, <laughs> Hamilton crew. No kidding, yeah. That, I shout mean, out shout out to the box J boys and Steel I, I Town lo- for dom- dominating for dominating the Argos housewarming. I love. Tie Cats fans because they they keep you on point and they and they'll talk they'll chirp you, but in a in a fun way. It's it's a fun environment. I always loved covering games on on the sidelines and uh, at Ivor Win. I'll never forget wearing a navy blue shout suit. Shout out to Pigskin Pete. Yes, shout out to Pigskin Pete for sure. I remember wearing a navy blue suit real quick um, and kind of a a blue tie and it was an Argos Tie Cats game. I hadn't even thought about it. You know, I you know, I did the drive. I was living in Toronto and then, you know, I did the hour commute out there and it's you know, mid late afternoon, the game was still about three, four hours away, and so I'm there getting my prep done and all that. So the game starts and um, I'm kinda of pacing back and forth on the sidelines of the two benches and all of a sudden there's a fan in the stands who just yells, Sapolsky! You got a lot of freaking nerve wearing a suit like that here at Hamilton. And I kind of, what are you talking about? Then I kind of look and I've got like a double blue striped tie and the navy blue suit. And I just remember looking at the guy and I kind of smirked and said, you know what? You're totally right for calling me out. I should be kicking my own ass on this one. So, uh, they, you know what? They hey, they're, they're smart. They they're fun. You thought you looked so. You thought I you was just like, man. You thought you looked good when you walked out of here. Exactly. You know what, Sabalski? Fifteen yards for looking so good. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you know, and that uh, yeah, apparently I got apparently I got tossed from the game in that one. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, week two matchups, and uh, why don't we start? Why don't we start? with Ryder Nation and give uh, Sasky some love. Because we didn't get really a chance to talk to them about them last week because they didn't play. But, um, hey, look, the Chris Jones era officially begins. And I think it can't get any worse for the Riders after going 3-15 and 15 last year. I mean, can it? As they take on an Argos team that is, I think they're going to be hungry to avoid falling to 0-2. I mean, you don't want to fall like that to start the season and you know based on what we saw in preseason Davis the riders are going to have some growing pains I think to start the year despite the influx of you know I think in all fairness an upgrade on coaching I mean you're bringing in the defending Grey Cup champion coach and a guy who's had tremendous success everywhere he's gone Um, now let's see if it'll pay off in Rider Nation with a healthy Darian Durant or just I guess how healthy with an asterisk yeah, that's going to be the key because he did not look good in the preseason, and that's uh, that's that's the question marks. Uh, it's been almost a year, right? For sure, him. there's going to be some rust, and you saw with Ricky, you saw with Ricky uh, on the weekend, there's some rust, and that's yep. uh, that's part of the deal. And uh, and and Ryder Nation is has uh, is going to have to be patient, I think, and I think that's the I think that's the key here is is it's not going to I don't think they're going to come come rolling uh, come rolling out the gates here, um, you know, with a new staff and just blowing everybody up. I think that. I think this is a this is going to be a work in progress. I think uh, you know yes they have a new staff which is a, a competent staff and and they picked up you know Capacotti and and Sean Lemon yeah. and, and Norwood and and 
you know, they, they're going to go. Saskatchewan's going to get get players, and they're going to build this roster. And uh, but this is going to be a work in progress. And please, Darian Durant, for the love of Rider Nation, for the love of the league, please stay healthy. Because if Darian Durant goes down, they release Brett Smith, which is there is some controversy here now. Uh, there's no there's no backup. There's no backup. Brett Smith was the backup. Um, now you have a rookie backup. Brett Smith, uh, you know, supposedly uh, rumors rumors uh, heard whispers that he in the preseason uh, he he got a play call, took it into the huddle, and changed the call. Um, coaches weren't happy. They yanked him out, and this may have been part of the reason he got released. Mm. Um, you know, he had at times he showed flashes last year. Uh, now you have no backup with any experience um, and and a guy coming off of a year injury who's an older quarterback. If he goes down, oh, wa- watch out, watch out. So please, I, I hope he stays healthy. I want to see, I want to see uh, Darian Durant back in, in his uh, Grey Cup MVP uh, level. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, to me, I'm a Darian Durant fan. I, I love watching him get out there and and. and and get after a win and just you know he fights he scraps and you know to me he's the type of guy that i i'd want as my quarterback to go to battle with i mean he just you know he's a gunslinger he's tough when you know i mean look he takes his lumps but you know he's been susceptible to injuries and i think ultimately the riders will go and look it's a quarterback driven league you could say the same thing in the national football league as well but you know, you kind of go as your horses and your studs go. And, you know, there's going to... Look, Saskatchewan will ultimately improve as the season goes on defensively. You know, Chris Jones is too good a defensive coach not to have this team be better. And bringing in some of his personnel will only help as well. But to me, you know, they lost Weston Dressler, so that's a nice insurance policy that, you know, a healthy Darian Durant would benefit from, but he doesn't have that familiarity anymore as Dressler is now with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, But going forward, you know, protecting Darian Durant, keeping him healthy, I mean, that to me is, and it may sound like being Captain Obvious here, but that to me is what it all comes down to in a nutshell. Because look, the Riders to me are, look, they're not a 3-15 and team. I don't think anybody would have ever, ever, ever predicted them to be a 3-15 and team last year. But injuries piled up, and, and then it was just the snowball effect where they just, you know, they came up short time and time again, and it just became this vicious cycle that they fell into. But it's they're, be they're, better, they're better than that. The dynamic... Between, and the West is softened. Or the, has it? The, the West... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the West may have softened a bit, but the West is, is still deep. It's yeah. still deep. It might have softened, but it's still deep. I think there's parity all around the league, to be mm-hmm. to be completely honest. Well, look at the East too. Yeah. The, the interesting the interesting thing that I'm looking to see is 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 Ryder Nation uh, in regards to uh, watching how this thing plays out with Chris Jones because because mm-hmm. Chris Chris is uh, Chris is gonna Chris is passionate. Chris mm-hmm. is, Chris is gonna speak his mind. Chris is already he, he was already giving the fans heck the other day. I guess I guess people were taking pictures of uh, of practice fans. And he he came out and said to the media that he didn't want, don't tweet out the pictures of practice because you're giving away uh, some of our stuff. So if you're Ryder fans and you're a practice, don't send out tweets or social media stuff with pictures because that gives away some of our looks and our formations to to other teams. But that being said, what a, a fan base, huge fan base, and and a guy who's who's not going to put up with losing. 
So so it's going to be very interesting because they're they're going to be in it for a dogfight. And so it's like I say, patience, Ryder fans, patience, patience, patience. This is going to be a good football team, good good staff. You guys, it's just, just going to take a little bit of time. Um, to work through this thing. There was a window in the third quarter. I'm saying work through this thing. Work there's through zero, it. There's zero and zero. Work, work through what? They <laughs> exactly. might go undefeated. I mean, who knows? Shoot, what, yeah. as far as I know, you guys you guys all know what I know, and that's nothing. So so maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe they'll go undefeated. Work through what? Uh, talk to me about the Argos on the flip side. Like, this, this team, I, I mean, uh, yes, it's an 18-game season, and it's not the end of the world, but I don't think you want to fall into that 0-2 hole, and especially from an Argos standpoint, you know, watching them last week, outside of maybe a window in that third quarter, they didn't look right all game, and and they struggled to move that football. You know, kind of a point you were saying to me just moments ago, they struggled to move the football, particularly in that first half. They they couldn't even get first downs. Yeah, they. I believe their first eight minutes left in the second quarter, and the Toronto offense did not yet have a first down. Uh, they had a couple from from penalties, but did not create a first down on their own with eight minutes left in the first half with a receiving core like that with a healthy ricky ray i mean look there's the old cliche offense takes longer to catch up to the defense right at the start of a season which is but, true yes no but question. even still after hearing everything all the rave reviews and and you know all how how good ricky ray was looking and hey look you know history will tell you when you look at the stats at the end of the you know he had two touchdown passes and you know, it wasn't all on him, but the Argos, they have lots of room to improve. There's some familiarity with Chris Jones. And going in, I think the Argos are going to find a way to pull out a win on the road this weekend. The, the, what, I noticed was, what I noticed was a lack of protection um, for Ricky Ray. He, he did not have a solid pocket. If you watch that game, and I, I watched it over again yesterday, he did not have a solid pocket. He couldn't. He couldn't step into his throws comfortably. His pocket was collapsing. Um, he, he were, they were getting there with four. They were getting there with five. And then you looked when they came out in the third quarter. Uh, they started. They made some changes to protection, and they came out in the third quarter. And Ricky could step into some throws, and you saw him dink, boom, boom, boom. He probably had five completions in a row that are start the third, and they had a nice drive to get down the field. If Ricky can step into his throws and has time. Then, then we're looking at that, an offense that can do some damage. That first half, he was uncomfortable. He, he did not look comfortable in the pocket at all. And that, to me, was the difference between the two teams. You look at that, that offensive line for Hamilton. Here I go back to Hamilton again, but goodness. That, that offensive line, Masoli was back there patting the ball. He was, had time. I mean, he missed. He had Owens deep in the first quarter for a, for a touchdown that he just missed him on. He had guys open everywhere. Fantuz, what a Fantuz had 100 yards. He had guys open. Tolliver looked good. He had guys open everywhere, um, but he was comfortable, and that's that offensive line. And in on the flip side, Ricky Ray was was moving his feet around. He was he didn't look did not, did not look comfortable in the pocket, and that's why they had a last lack of success on offense. So we'll we'll see if they make some changes to that. Was it Hamilton's uh, Hamilton's defense just too just too good, uh, or or was it their offensive line is is susceptible? And that's that's what we'll notice this week. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to uh, Ottawa and Montreal. And hey, look, someone's going two and zero here. You know, Montreal, who was you know checked in last in the CFL power rankings on CFL.ca going into the season for week one, and you know the Red Blacks for all the questions. Look. Both teams showed well. 
uh, Kevin Glenn showed that he he is still a gamer and he can still scratch and claw out a win for whatever team he is playing for. But let's talk on the Red Blacks here because what an impressive road win for them to win in overtime in Edmonton. But tell me this. When does it become an issue at quarterback in Ottawa? Henry Burris is going to be on the one-game injured list here. Trevor Harris, because you know what? Hey, you can afford to. You can afford to at this point in time. Get, get Smile and Hank back to 100%, even if he's feeling like he might be able to go. You have the luxury. This is what you brought Harris in for. But at what point... And maybe it's too soon to even bring this up, but at what point does this become a consideration if Harris looks even half as good as he did last week against the Grey Cup champions? I mean, three touchdowns, 292 yards in passing, in, my, in, in, in relief duty. Seventeen Zero. of nineteen, D. Did you did you see did you see Jason Moss's like we said Jason Moss's yeah. pre impressor? He but I also same. know what I saw. Yes, I, but he, I mean it's not a, it's not a question. They're moving the ball. It's not a, you have the most outstanding player. Is Rodney Dangerfield the guy's the MVP of the league? What is the problem here? I thought Kevin Glenn was the Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're lots of Rodney Dangerfield. Lots of Rodney Dangerfields. <laughs> I mean, come on, he's the MVP of the league. He he's he's was balling. There's no controversy. Move on. If he gets hurt, then then Trevor Harris goes in. Other than that, unless he stinks up the joint, which is not going to happen, we could stop talking about this and let them play. Let Ottawa play football. Gosh darn it, uh, Montreal. I'm sick, I'm sick of it. You were you were already. In, I'm sick of it. I'm <laughs> sick of it. You were in Montreal or you were in Winnipeg last week to to see the Owls firsthand. What uh, what'd you like from the Owls? Uh, much much of our defense was uh, was fire and and Chip Cox looking still get it done. Yeah, Bowman Bowman was awesome. Uh, also, the two young corners for Montreal, and that was a big question. Yeah, you know, talking talking to Noel Thorpe before the game, uh, and he assured me that these two kids these two kids can play, and they balled. They went in there and they balled, and uh, and uh, the big thing the big thing is Winnipeg's defense. That that was the thing. Me watching that game there. The biggest thing for me was their defense. Richie Hall, um, whatever hair Richie Hall has left, he probably yanked it out. Mm -hmm. There were guys open everywhere. They were guys open every every time they ran a crossing route, um, any sort of combination routes. There was guys free running all over the field. Um, Kevin Glenn had a pretty good game. Uh, he almost had 300 yards in the first half. He probably could have thrown for 600 yards if he was a little more efficient. I think he only threw one touchdown. He probably could have had three or four. Um, so he, he was as efficient as he could have been. That was the big take for me. Winnipeg's defense looked absolutely horrible. I'm just going to call it call it how it is. They looked absolutely horrible. And now they're going into Calgary to face a pissed-off uh, Calgary team who, who, uh, who didn't show up. Okay, so Ottawa in Montreal this weekend. I like, I like the Red Blacks to get another W here on this one. It's, I know it's tough. It's a tall order to try to go two straight wins to open up the season back-to-back -back on the road. But... I think Ottawa looked good enough. They showed me enough last week in Edmonton that they can pull out a win in Montreal. Who do you like here? Real quickly, how can I not say anything about Anthony Cavio in his mm. first his first his first game as yeah. offensive coordinator? His offense looked great, sharp. They were they were misdirection. They were doing tons of speed sweeps, running the ball, using Deron Carter with misdirection. That was the big thing. Misdirection. They looked they looked awesome, and Anthony had a great game plan for Winnipeg. Um, 
I also, that being said, I also like Ottawa. They look too good. I like Ottawa against Montreal. Okay, let's look ahead to the Canada Day matchups on Friday. You've got uh, the Ticats uh, at home. Seven-point favors they check in as uh, against the BC Lions and kind of a herky-jerky come-from-behind win for the Leos. But you know what? The Lions are 1-0. The Tabbies are 1-0. They found their wins in two completely different ways. To me, and we touched on this at the beginning of the podcast here, but the Tabbies Davis looked like the most impressive team in week one in my eyes. My eyes too. Uh, it's uh, they look great. They look great. And the question I had watching BC and we both we both saw this game mm-hmm. and we talked about it, James, and we and we talked about it. Jennings going down the field so much. I mean, it was great. To, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Is that a recipe? He threw the ball in the first quarter. I think he threw. He must have thrown five or six balls over 50 yards in the first quarter. Like you might, you might get one. You might take one shot a quarter down the field, more than 20, 30 yards, one a quarter. He threw about four or five of those. And I, you know, Hank used to be like that. Mm-hmm. And I know as a DB playing against Hank, you salivate for that. No, you don't, because he's got you on your heels. Because mm-hmm. you got to respect the fact that he'll pump and go you. He'll take you deep. So now you can't sit on those little short intermediate routes. You can't sit on them because he's going to throw the ball over your head. And and you know the one thing you're taught is don't let, don't get beat deep. Yeah. But that being said, what that does to your to your defense, well, and that's what happened to Jonathan Jennings. Is there's a ton of two and outs because mm-hmm. I mean he threw five of those. But he didn't complete any of them, and now it's back on the field for the BC defense, and they get tired. It's now I don't know what the coach said to him at halftime. Uh, it was special teams that got him back in that game with Rainey, but I don't know which kind of put them in trouble in the first place. <laughs> Three blocked punts. Uh, yeah. They didn't register as blocks because they went past line of scrimmage. So only mm-hmm. one of them got actually registered as statistically as a block. Mm-hmm. But that's th- it is what it is. That's three block punts in the first half of a football game by BC Lions uh, special teams, uh, which uh, Marcelo Simmons is the new special teams yeah. coach. I'm sure that Wally gave him an earful, or or the players who who messed up the scheme probably. Uh, got an earful that's unheard of you can you you will not have most teams will not have three block kicks in a season much less in the first half of a football game yeah that was that was ugly um and and look they still found a way i thought the lions d did a really good job of kind of weathering the storm uh to your point and despite having you know kind of the wear and tear that they kind of uh, sustained in in that week one victory over calgary but you know what they handled it really well in terms of the pressure against a very experienced, a quality offense like the Stamps, uh, spoiling Dave Dickinson's coaching debut, and Wally Buono picks up a W. Nevertheless, I think the Tabbies look way too good, especially being at home. I, I, I like I like the Tie Cats to get it done at home. And, and, and again, the seven-point favorites, uh, I think the odds makers like it too. We did say, real quickly, James, we did mm-hmm. say that, that uh, we would know some things after week one. Yeah. I want your take on this. It, it, BC, uh, after that win, are you... Are you sold? Is that is that a contender or a pretender? What's your take on on this? Because I I don't know what to think. I, I you know what I, I don't know what quite to make of the offense just yet. But defensively, I'll tell you what a big question that I think a lot of people had was the health of Solomon Elamimian, and you know what, whether he was protected well or whatever the case, that Lions D showed well. Again, it's still early. It's one game, but that Lions defense looks to me for real the way they handled Calgary. For the most part in the game, like Calgary the benefited from some field position, oh, yeah, right? And, they, and and the amount of points, and, and maybe Calgary shot themselves in the foot in some respects. But you know what? Give the BC defense a lot of credit. We'll see how the offense evolves. But, 
you know, they had some issues. And, and look, they're going to have some growing pains with a quarterback who's yet to play a full season in the Canadian Football League and Jonathan Jennings. So we'll see how it goes. But I'll tell you what, and, and special teams obviously is going to be a work in progress as well based on what we saw in week one. But defensively, I really liked what I saw from the Leos. Yeah, I like, I like Hamilton in that game. I think BC looked good. Uh, huge win for Wally in, in, in BC to start off his 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 tenure there again. But uh, yeah, I, I like I like Hamilton. That's a tough that's a tough go for for the BC Lions. Okay, and uh, rounding out week number two, it's the uh, I guess it's the urgency bowl. I guess you could call stamps, this one. It's stamps, the uh, stamps, stamps, I'm Just gonna call stamps, it like that. Stamps. The bombers in Calgary to take on. They the They looked horrible. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say it, bomber fans. I love you. The bombers looked absolutely horrible in that game. Their offense looked. Drew Willie did not look good. Their offensive line did not protect. Weston Dressler. You have heart. You are. Uh, you have been one of the best receivers in this league for the last so many years. Get out of bounds. And he did it. The th- th- first three balls he caught, he tried to tuck, duck his head, and you, those of you who saw it, and tried to run over a DB on the sidelines. You're 180 pounds, and you're a speed guy, and your team needs you. Don't don't be a tough guy and try to run people over. That's not what you do. And I, I respect the fact that his juices were flowing. He's playing in front of his new team. He wants yeah. to show, and I, I mean, it's not a bad thing for, for Weston. He's trying to show that, you know, he's trying to show the energy and, and get the crowd in exactly. it and, and, and do what do what Weston Dressler does. But you got to be smart. You, you, you're, you're a, you're a high-paid guy. They need you out there. You can't be trying to run DBs over. Now he's out, and now he's out. He was the... You know, he was their big weapon on offense. They didn't have, any, it didn't look to have any weapons uh, going down the field. And their defense, their secondary looked absolutely horrible. Jamal Westerman was really nowhere to be found. Uh, they looked horrible. Calgary will roll Winnipeg, in my opinion, they will roll Winnipeg, and they're going to be pissed off because they did not. Calgary did not perform the way they should have. They should have won that game in BC. So they're going to be an angry team. This, I think, this is going to be a rout. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I like Calgary to get it done as well at home, and and, and so. But here's, here's what I wonder. You know, you touched on this in the week one podcast. And the expe- and one of the things that you thought coming into 2016 was, you know, Mike O'Shea and the bomb squad being under a lot of pressure. This is year three. They went out and they spent a lot of money in the offseason. And, you know, what happens if this team falls to 0-2? And now all of a sudden, you're right out of the gate and all the uh, excitement and the optimism. And all of a sudden, here this team is... You know, you know deep behind the eight ball, deep behind, deep, you know, behind the eight ball. Now it's not inconceivable that, you know, that the Lions could be one and one, the Stamps could be one and one, you know, the Eskimos are zero and one. You know, what's to say that the the Saskatchewan Rough Riders could be zero and one as well? Like it's it, it they're not necessarily out of it, but falling zero and two to start the season, the city's going to get restless, and it could be <laughs> falling zero and two and. Guess who they have week three, and guess where it is? The probably the place you don't want to be, Tim Hortons Field, against wow. against the Hamilton Tire Cats, Winnipeg week three. This was, I mean, we talked about it before. Um, they were talking about it in you know the local media when I was out there in Winnipeg. We were, we were talking about it, and that's how important that first game was against Montreal mm-hmm. because of these next two the next two weeks are such tough games in Calgary, maybe the best team in the West in. In, and then next week in Hamilton, maybe the best team in the East. You know, I mean, you need to win that first game against yeah. against a team that many thought were the, the the basement dwellers in Montreal. You lose to them. Now you have arguably the two best teams in the East and West at home the next two weeks. They're, 
conceivably could go 0 and 3 to start off the season and that's not going to be good for the for the fans in Winnipeg. Uh okay, so again to recap our picks for the CFL Pick'em, don't forget to check out cfl.ca for your chance to log in, win all sorts of prizes and uh not like we had any chance after our picks going uh 1 and 3 uh last week, but uh again to recap, I've got uh, I like Toronto over Saskatchewan. I like Ottawa over Montreal. I like Hamilton over BC. And I like Calgary over Winnipeg. Davis? I don't think I picked it. I didn't pick the Saskatchewan game yet. No, you missed that one. I missed that one. So I'm going to go I'm gonna go Ottawa member. I was 0-4 last week, so plug your ears. Don't pay any attention <laughs> to my picks because I know nothing. Ottawa, I'm going to go Ottawa over Montreal. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Saskatchewan over Toronto. Home game. I mm-hmm. think that I think they'll show up at home, and it, it, it'll be a packed house, Rider Nation. Uh, I like yeah. Hamilton over BC. Yep. And Calgary. That's my romp of the week. Will give the business to Winnipeg. There you go. We'll see if the bomb squad can prove you wrong. He is Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski. You can find us on Twitter. If you ever have a question for us, hey, we want to hear it, or you just want to chirp us, you can find us at Davis Sanchez or at James Sabalski. It is the week two edition of The Waggles.